Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein, activist, certified life coach, professional astrologer. Hmm, it's not often those professions are part of the same sentence, but that triad describes Tracy Rogers, my guest today. Before forming Tracy L. Rogers, LLC, she worked as a program manager for Amid East Education and Training Services for Youth Exchange and Study, or YES, a high school exchange program funded by the U.S. State Department. During her eight-year tenure, Tracy managed staff at 10 different regional offices who were responsible for program recruitment in the Middle East and North Africa. She implemented training sessions and seminars for Arab youth, which sparked her activism for Palestinian rights. Tracy participated in an indigenous and people of color witness delegation to Israel-Palestine, inspiring her to curate movements of oppression, solidarity, and hope, a pop-up photo exhibit featuring images reflecting shared struggles of oppression. Closer to home, Tracy's worked tirelessly to combat racial injustice and gender inequality, launching anti-racism, anti-blackness campaigns and teach-ins with a variety of groups and faith-based communities in Northern Virginia. In 2019, she received the Charles P. Monroe Civil Rights Award from the Arlington, Virginia chapter of the NAACP. So, Let's meet and get to know this versatile, committed go-getter. Tracy, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me remotely today from Philadelphia. Thank you, Sandy. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. So, Tracy, how did this trinity come together for you? (laughs) You know, it's it's a series of fortunate events. Um, I started off in politics, actually. I graduated with a bachelor's in political science and worked on a number of different political campaigns, which is how I immediately got into grassroots organizing. And then from there, as my career evolved, I wanted to shift focus to international development, international education. I've been on the campaign trail for a number of years at that point, decided to settle in D.C. where I got my master's in international ed and stayed in that field for almost a decade simultaneously wanting to figure out what was next for me career-wise. I had always loved astrology. I come from a family of seers, astrologers, tarot readers, coffee bean readers. And so that was something ingrained in me from a young age. And as I, you know, became more active through, you know, astrological consultations and readings and writing horoscopes, it evolved into a practice that then became, you know, a life coaching practice as well. And given my activism past, uh, that was also brought into the picture. So there's no real like neat template of how okay. it all came together. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stars much, were aligned. Sorry for that. The stars were aligned. <laughs> the universe has an interesting path in store for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just here to Go along for the ride. (laughs) Well, just go back for a second where Mm -hmm. you said that you were exposed to this at a young age Mm -hmm. in your household. How so? Yeah. So in my family, on my dad's side, there are other astrologers and tarot readers. And so I was just taught a lot of this stuff growing up and not from the sense of like wanting to pass down tradition, but more so 
I was already curious. And so I had family members that took me under their wings and showed me things and taught me things. Um, I had a strong interest in classical mythology and archetypes when I was younger, which is also a big part of uh, traditional astrology today, modern astrology today. So it was a very natural, organic progression of, of how I was introduced to these topics and how that just evolved as I got older. You knew that that was not necessarily going to be your career path, right? Exactly. When you went to college, yeah, I had I had no intention of becoming a consulting astrologer. <laughs> None. Wow. It wasn't something I aspired to. Uh huh. So I don't know from astrology at all, <laughs> and the irony is. I'm a cancer. And all I can say about cancer is that I was diagnosed with it at one point mm. in my life, but we loved cats and we liked mm. to sit around the fireplace and we were homebodies. And it was like, this is so not me. You know? <laughs> I mean, in terms of what was in the newspaper for mm-hmm. horror films or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that as a skeptic, I would love to know more about it and what it all means. And so you're going to tell me. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, I think a lot of folks, when they think of astrology, they think sun signs or zodiac signs and horoscopes. Um, But what a lot of people don't know about astrology is that when you are born, not only is the sun in a zodiac sign. So for you, that was the sign of cancer, but so too is the moon in a zodiac sign and the planet Mercury and Venus and Mars and all the planets in our solar system. And each planet means something about your personality. It contributes to who you are. So it makes sense that when you read the description for cancer, you might think to yourself, I'm none of these things or not a lot of this resonates with me. And that's probably because you have other planets and different zodiac signs that also contribute to your character. A lot of women or those who identify as female often feel a stronger resonance to their moon sign, for example, more so than their sun sign, because the Mm -hmm. moon carries energetically feminine traits and characteristics. And I want to emphasize, I mean that from an energetic lens. And so feminine energy tends to be very intuitive, very receptive, very conjuring, all things that are attributed to the moon, which is why women and those who identify as female often feel a stronger resonance to their moon sign more so than their sun. So to answer your question, you're a lot of things. You're not just your cancer sun sign. Um, And that speaks to why oftentimes there can be a disconnect or a, a small feeling of resonance when it comes to our zodiac sign. Or kind of part of the issue as well, the skepticism. Yeah. The skepticism, I think, is just also partly because not a lot of people know enough about what astrology actually is, what it entails, what we do as consulting astrologers. So at some point, did that become a no-brainer for you in in spite of all of your activism? Not that you can't marry all of those things Mm -hmm. together. What made you sort of transition from getting out there and fighting for particular causes to move into life coaching and professional astrology. I never left being out there fighting for particular causes. My work as an activist has just evolved. And so while I'm not in the streets protesting Mm -hmm. all the time, I am empowering clients to live 
better versions of themselves, to be better people, to contribute in ways that support humanity. Mm. Those are things that we talk about in my astrology readings or in my coaching sessions. So I frequent various lanes when it comes to my work as an activist, as is the case for a lot of people. It doesn't look like one specific thing. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, as far as how I kind of got to this point where I'm doing astrology professionally full time, you know, it really, again, just comes back to the series of events. I was being led along a path that brought a lot of opportunity, opportunities that I really loved and enjoyed. Like, for example, being able to connect with folks one-on-one to talk about astrology, to do life coaching, to be a guide, to be supportive. Those are things that I really value. Um, I just like it. A natural act. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, I feel like in my work as an astrologer and coach, I can show up as my whole self. That's all I need, right? That's all any of us needs is just to be able to show up as our whole selves in all aspects of life. And so that really kind of speaks to it. I love it. I thoroughly enjoy the fact that I get to look at the stars every day. I get Mm -hmm. to talk to people about what's playing out in their own lives through their astrological birth chart. I get to coach them to live more empowered. So it's all very rewarding, which really speaks to why I do this. So those two forces, astrology and life coaching for you go Mm -hmm. hand in hand. They're not, they're not separated. They're not separated. And, you know, the reason why I decided to get certified as a life coach is because I found that during astrology readings, I'm giving a lot of information that folks are able to receive, but they don't know what to do with it afterwards. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, I know these things about myself or I know what's playing out in my life. Now what? And so the coaching is a really complimenting tool to help folks feel, you know, a sense of empowerment again, when it comes to moving through life overall. So walk me through what a quote session would be like for me and you. So we'd start off by talking about what you want to focus on. Why do you want to see a life coach? What's happening in your life? What are some of the themes or, you know, experiences you're having or goals that you want to set in motion that you need help with? So that's the initial consultation and intake of why are you here? What is it that you need? So in other words, my initial introduction to you would be for the life coaching as opposed to the astrology part. So not necessarily. It depends. Yeah. It depends on where you want to put your attention. I do offer packages of both astrology and coaching. Some folks sign up for both. Some folks are more interested in just the coaching aspect. Some folks are really interested in learning more about astrology. They'll start with an astrology reading and then they'll decide, hey, this was really valuable information that I'd like to use and apply in some way. So I'll sign up for some coaching. So it really depends on, you know, what your interests and intentions are, which is why I always initially do an intake session with folks sure, um, just to find out where they are, what they are thinking, why they're here. And then go from there with deciding best services going forward. Nothing was going to stand in your way. You're going to do Mm -hmm. what you needed to do in terms of that strong sense of self. Mm -hmm. That applies to you, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And very, like, it's like a second thought. It's like an afterthought, you know? So very naturally so. And I'm, I'm, it's just another reason why I love the work that I do. Again, I can show up as my whole self. Mm-hmm. But it obviously had to start at home at a young age yeah. in terms of 
feeling that empowerment. I'm guessing your parents had quite an impact. They certainly did, Um, especially given, you know, the background of my family as astrologers, as spiritualists, as seers. But I think as I reflect on it, they were very supportive of my creative curiosity. Hmm. And I remember, you know, wanting to do different projects as a kid with other folks in school, asking my mom or dad for help or assistance. So they were always not just encouraging my creative curiosity, but they were also very supportive of it. And that was hugely instrumental for me growing up. So where'd the activism come from? The activism really came up for me through political organizing when I was um, in college. After I finished my bachelor's, I traveled around the country working on a lot of different political campaigns. And when you're doing that kind of work as a field worker or as a campaign manager, you have to get to know the people. You have to get to know the issues that they're dealing with. You have to get to know the environments where they're living, um, the structures of those environments. And so it really was, you know, always kind of experiencing the sense of community and advocating for what people need, especially with regards to the candidate I'm working for. So that's really what inspired my activism at a young age. And then how did it translate internationally? Because that's some heavy duty stuff that you did, Palestinian rights, you know, traveling where you did and focusing on the Middle East, which is pretty intense. Yeah. Well, so what's interesting is that it translated internationally um, through really just a very innocent curiosity in religion, in Islam specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I learned more about the religion, I just became more fascinated with how that religion translates into a way of life for those who identify as Muslim. And so that's what really connected me to the Muslim world. That's what inspired my career in international development with a central focus on Arab culture. That's how I ended up in the organization Amid East, which is an organization that does a lot of advocacy work in the Middle East through getting to know my colleagues and the students that I worked with on the Youth Exchange and Study Program. That's really how it translated internationally. We recruited students from Palestine within this program. And I'm sure you're familiar with the conflict in Palestine between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Oh, really? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And so there was one particular year with recruitment where we had a difficult time getting the students out of Palestine. They were in the middle of conflict. Um, And so that was a really eye-opening experience for me of just becoming more aware of what happens on the ground, the logistics, the permits that are needed for Palestinians to even leave certain areas of the region. And that really is what kind of fueled and inspired activism internationally. How do you think that personally impacted you, that experience, that Middle East experience? Um, Well, as a Black person with a history of oppression and (laughs) racism and discrimination, it was very easy for me to identify the experience of being Black in this country with being Palestinian in in Palestine, in in Israel. That was an easy translation for me. And it it was just kind of a, a shared cause and resonance that really just motivated and, and, and continues to motivate me when it comes to the work that I do as an activist. And the transition to what you did in the States, combating racial injustice and gender mm-hmm. inequality, is that something that you continue to do? Absolutely. Today? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I do a lot of diversity and inclusion work with different companies and organizations, um, trainings and webinars on everything from what white supremacy culture looks like in an organizational setting to allyship in a corporate setting to conversations and dialogues around race and diversity and inclusion. So I, I do that now. And also through my coaching work, I offer programs that center the unpacking of racist ideas and racial biases. So yeah, all of that has just really kind of expanded for me. I want you to explain how when you started, so let's say you started small, okay, Mm -hmm. and then how it grew. How did that happen? How did the word get out about Tracy Rogers? And what was that like to start your own company? I mean, you got a lot of balls, don't you? (laughs) I guess so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. That's a good thing, obviously. Right, right. Well, as far as how the word got out about me, I would say my big break, and this is another example of just opportunities that have come my way that have really led to good places, right? It's like the definition, what is it? Um, Preparation plus luck is opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so my big break with my practice was being invited to a nationally syndicated radio station. I had a friend of mine, a colleague of mine that I worked with at Amity's. She won tickets to a special screening of a film that was being hosted by a radio personality. She invited me to come with her. That radio personality was there. I knew who he was because I actually grew up listening to him in Philadelphia. Okay. Um, This was when I was living in the DC area. And so I asked him if he needed an astrologer for his show. And if so, to let me know, this happened on a Tuesday. He asked me a couple of questions, said, send me your information. I did that Wednesday, the next day. And by Friday, I was on his show. Hmm. And it was a show that I did every other week for about a year, a year and a half. What year was that? This was in... I want to say 2012. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's how I built my client base being on nationally syndicated radio. That's how the word started to get out about Tracy. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just kind of grew from there with other opportunities and other different creative projects I was doing, creating a YouTube channel, for example, reaching out to other astrologers that, you know, I wanted to work with, collaborate with, write for. So it's just a, a mix of things that I initiated, things that I was excited to do, things that I enjoyed that kind of brought me to where I am today. So we're talking natural acts for you. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's use me and you together. Okay. I reach out to you and take me on what that relationship would be like. How are we doing this? Well, it depends on what you're reaching out to me for. Are you reaching out for an astrology reading, let's say? I start with that. Yeah. Okay. So if you're reaching out to me for an astrology reading, what I would collect from you is some information that would allow me to create what's called an astrological birth chart. So the information I would need from you would be your full date of birth, what time you were born and where you were born. And with that information, I can create a birth chart, which is basically a picture that shows where all of the planets in the sky were positioned at your precise moment of birth. Mm -hmm. And it's with that information that I would give you a reading. You could sign up for a personal reading, which basically is a personality reading, talking about what all of this says about who you are, strengths, challenges, areas of improvement. 
You could do a forecast reading that looks ahead what's happening in my life over the next six months or what's happening over the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. You can Mm -hmm. invite your partner in and do a couples reading as well. So we can look at both of your charts together. You could also just focus on specific things. If you just wanted to do a short little consultation on a specific question, that's what astrology readings entail. It's not a predictive practice as much as it's just, hey, this is what's happening, courtesy of planet alignments in the sky. You have the information. And with that information, you use your free will to make informed uh-huh. decisions. So in terms of your background and what you were exposed to, what's the difference of my coming to you for an astrological reading as opposed to a tarot reading? Sure. That's not a stupid question at all. Um Tarot readers use different divination tools or energy correspondence tools when giving a reading. So I'm looking at a birth chart, which is a picture of the planets. Tarot readers are actually using oracle cards. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's the primary difference. Although there are a lot of connections between astrology and tarot, the primary difference is the source that we're using to give readings. You said something earlier. What's with coffee beans. That's new to me. <laughs> Aside from the fact that you grind yeah, them, coffee you actually beans. drink it, you know. <laughs> yeah, coffee beans and tea leaves. These are these are actually practices that developed, I want to say, in Eastern Europe. Tea leaves, I know. Coffee beans is new to me. It's the same concept as tea leaves in mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you, you can use the beans themselves. You can use them steeped in coffee. It's not a practice that I am, you know, familiar with, mm-hmm. but it's it's similar to tea leaves. What has this been like for you during a pandemic? Because my assumption is that you and I would be meeting physically face-to-face in the same space, right? Yeah. Well, so before the pandemic, yes, I did have an office where I met clients face-to-face, but I also offered the option of meeting virtually through Zoom or Google Chat or Skype, as well as just over the phone. And I also offer written reports for folks that would just rather have their reading written. So Mm. there were a number of options already that I offered with how to meet, but majority of folks did prefer to meet in person. Post-pandemic, after the pandemic hit, I went strictly virtual and it's worked out just fine. I don't have an office. I'm not quite sure I'm going to get an office anytime soon because I do enjoy the virtual um, one-on-one. It's also less expensive, Mm. Uh, but I haven't, to specifically answer your question, I haven't suffered anything um, by being strictly virtual. That's great. Yeah. I would have to assume that your client list expanded as the bulk of us find ourselves, you know, alienated mm-hmm. and disconnected for these really, even this, though it's been going on for a year, these unnatural times. I can't imagine. I have to assume you've been inundated. Yes. Yeah. In fact, 2020 was actually the busiest year I made the most I've ever made in my life in 2020. So yes, it was um, very busy. It still is very busy. And for reasons that you would you would guess, folks are looking for guidance. Our lives were completely appended last year. We're still kind of in this space of uncertainty. And many people were looking for guidance through astrology, through coaching to help them navigate these uncharted territory. And so, yeah, business was very busy last year. So coaching is kind of akin to therapy? Um, I like to think of coaching as an extension of therapy because they are two different things. Therapy, I describe as an experience of recapping your past, 
doing a retrospective of your experiences in life and how that has brought you to where you are today, moving through trauma patterns, emotional triggers, things of that nature. That's what therapy is. I am not a licensed therapist. That takes some important training. Of course. Coaching is now that I'm aware of stuff, what am I going to do about about me? You mean? Exactly. Okay. Now that I'm aware, what do I want to do about it? And so in many ways, coaching and therapy are nice compliments because you're doing the work on yourself and then the unpacking as necessary with a therapist and with your coach, you're looking ahead. Now that I have these tools, now that I have greater awareness, what am I doing with all of this, all of these resources going forward? If I came to you strictly on an astrology level, Mm -hmm. Would that be a one-time shot between you and me? Not necessarily. Um, I have clients that are repetitive, especially if they're getting forecasts. And so I do forecasts. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about a forecast. I compare them to weather forecasts. So like you watch the seven-day weather forecast, you know, the chances of snow, percentage of humidity, if you're going to need a weather. It's the same thing for an astrological forecast. So whether we're looking at six months ahead or a full year ahead, I'm giving you the weather forecast on how planet alignments above are affecting your life. And so folks will get a six-month forecast, come back in another six months. They'll get a full-year forecast, come back in another year. So I do have those clients that are on those repetitive cycles, getting their forecasts regularly. I also have clients that sign up for one reading that's not for a forecast and decide, hey, I want to try this reading as well. And so I I do have repeat clients to answer your question. Mm -hmm. I wonder how much that changes over the course of time. I like your analogy of weather, but let me play the devil's advocate. Lots of times meteorologists screw mm-hmm. it up. I thought it was supposed to snow 20 inches, you know? Right, so, right. You know, so let's apply that to you. <laughs> yeah, and that's a really important question. And that speaks to why there's a fine line between forecasting and prediction. Because what I am telling you is how planet alignments are affecting your lives. I'm not telling you specifically how that's going to manifest. And so if you know, for example, that you're coming into a period where there's a window of opportunity for you to assert yourself around career goals or professional aspirations, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you where there may be some challenges. I'll tell you where there may be some delays or setbacks in that window. How this all manifests, however, what it specifically looks like, I can't tell you that. Right. And so that's the main difference between like getting a psychic reading, something that's predictive versus an astrology. And I always tell folks at the end of the forecasts, at the end of any forecast, your free will is still kept intact. So you could choose to do nothing with the information. And of course, that would be your choice. Mm. But as an astrologer, if you know, hey, it, these are the percentage chances of snow, you might arm yourself with a shovel, gotcha. right? Or wear some snow boots just in case. Mm -hmm. So that's how I encourage folks to look at astrology. I would have to assume that your client list is eclectic. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, yes and no. Um, You know, I I tend to see mostly women. Women make up the majority of my demographic. I would think that men would be more cynical. Uh, (laughs) Forgive the stereotype. Or, Or maybe just, you know, disinterested. Who knows? But with that said, there's, you know, I see a very, various number of ages, 
ethnicities, folks that are coming to me from different religious backgrounds, which is really fascinating. Um, And that's the fun part. You know, I get to connect with total strangers and have conversations that I would not have otherwise. And I actually really see that as a huge honor and privilege in this work because we're talking, these are intimate things, you know, that we're talking about in the reading. And so, yeah, I I do get a, a, a nice little mix of folks that I get to connect with. Well, in this interaction between you and I, there's a a comfort, a warmth. You're easy. I would imagine that they do a 180 after Mm -hmm. spending time with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fun. And it's funny because, you know, I do get those folks that are like, you know, very on guard. Um, And it's funny because I actually experienced this a lot with Scorpios and Virgos. They're very straight faced. You know, they don't reveal anything. And then I'm always surprised at the end of the session that they found so much resonated or they want to continue and do more sessions. So it does happen sometimes where folks are just completely on guard, understandably, because they don't know what they're coming into. No matter how much I explain it to you, unless you actually get a reading, you don't know what you're coming into. But yeah, I do often experience that 180, which is which is great, which is great. If I make folks feel comfortable, then that's that's what matters. And I oh, try sure. to stay very grounded in this work as well. So, you know, I'm not, I don't have like a crystal ball in front of me. You're not going to see the red palm on my door. <laughs> you know, I try to approach this from as a, a simple, you know, grounded approach as, as possible. I want to pick up on something. What else would you be telling me? What else do you need to know from me? The characteristics of a particular sign where I was a little, you know, snarky about that when you just read about it in the paper. And I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. first of all, it's a terrible sign to be cancer. Scorpio sounds so (laughs) sexy or whatever. But on reading that just superficially, it's like, that's not who I am. Right. How do you tell me who I am? (laughs) Well, I mean, that's where years of study and learning comes into play, Um, because the, the fact of the matter is anybody can learn astrology. This isn't some like elite exclusive field. Anybody can learn astrology. But what separates a good astrologer from, you know, a meh astrologer is interpretation and how how you interpret what the planets say, how you interpret the zodiac signs. And so, you know, you may find coming back to being a cancer, some pretty standard terms that you'll hear about cancer they're domestic, they're homebodies, they're clingy, they're needy. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you have to get into the energy of cancer and what cancer really represents. You know, I like to think of all of the zodiac signs as representative of different stages of personal growth and development. Huh. And on a core level, cancer is a sign that just values emotional comfort and safety. That's it. And so this is a sign that is not only very concerned with creating an environment and relationships and other types of aspects of life that give them a sense of emotional reprieve and comfort and stability, but they're also as water signs, able to pick up on the emotional energy of other people, which is why this is a sign that tends to be very nurturing, tends to be very giving, Mm -hmm. wanting to offer support in ways that are tender and ways that are loving. I often describe cancers as like the matriarch of the zodiac and that this is a sign that's able to be very tenacious when it comes to providing those that are less fortunate, providing for family. So it's an energy that's attributed to this sign. Oftentimes we get into the the these traits that, you know, sound more yeah. negative than mm-hmm. anything. And mm-hmm. that's not what that's not what astrology is about. 
That was my goal in part of our discussion to debunk some of these myths mm-hmm. that people, what do you do for a living? I'm a professional astrologer. I mean, what? I'm not saying that's not necessarily my reaction, mm-hmm. but I came to you because I was watching my most favorite television program in the whole entire world, which is CBS Sunday Morning. Mm-hmm. And because of that show, I have met some really terrific women who I've reached out to. And you were one of them because I didn't really give a shit who won the Super Bowl. You know, right. but that was <laughs> that was the hook for you about yeah. how you were predicting. Does that stuff annoy you when that happens? It kind of does, yes. <laughs> yeah, you're making um, not fun of me, but it's you know, you know, that's not what I do. I'm not right, exactly. It's, it's not what I do. I'm not predicting the Super Bowl. That said, there is some level of fascination around it in the sense that you can look at players on a team. Like I've done sessions with companies, uh, company retreats with small office settings where we're looking at charts of staff to see how that staff member communicates how that staff member asserts themselves, what they need to feel motivated when it comes to getting done a task. So when you're looking at it from like a football team, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can do that and look at shared interactions between team members. Um, But when it comes to predicting the outcome of a Super Bowl, that's not not what astrologers really do. Um, It certainly isn't what I do. So I do feel some level of frustration just with some of the stereotypes and, and myths that are surrounding astrology. That said, Sandy, the majority of the people that I work with, even if they're skeptical, they're still open. They're still showing up to get readings. So I don't deal a lot with, you know, the skepticism and the myths. I'm actually meeting one-on-one with folks who are open to receiving the information that I have to share. And they usually leave feeling pretty, you know, happy about it at the very least. I'm impressed with the fact that companies have reached Mm -hmm. out to you. I mean, that I would have to think is unusual or they're really so forward thinking. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did a retreat for a company and organization in DC. um, And it was just, you know, a, a part of their full on retreat where I talked about 2020 and why 2020 was just such a difficult year, some of the astrological aspects playing out. And I was talking to a group of folks, a group of essential workers, essentially. And so, yeah, I do different company activities. I, I holiday events, specialized webinars and programs um, that center astrology. Yeah. So Tracy, talk about 2020 and the fact that everyone's world was turned upside down, that no one had any clue that this was going to be our normal. So I'm so glad that you asked that question because it was a question asked for the CBS segment. um, And the answer given, in my opinion, was very incorrect and unfortunate. You know, astrologers have been talking, had been talking about 2020 for years We knew that there were astrological events, cosmic events happening courtesy of planet alignments in the sky that would bring the experiences that we had last year. And so, for example, we knew that our economy last year was going to be totally shaken up. We knew that certain structures and systems in place with how we live, how we govern our day-to-day lives, that a lot of those structures were really going to begin 
to be shaken, that our foundations were going to be shaken. Mm-hmm. Obviously, again, we're not a bunch of psychics. So right. we never would have predicted this is coming courtesy of a pandemic. Right. But the energy afoot was telling. And in fact, I did a Facebook Live event back in January of last year literally spelling out some of the things that we were going to encounter in 2020. A lot of the 2020 readings I gave, I let clients know this was, that was going to be a real funky year and to buckle up and it would be a relentless year as well. Um, So astrologers had been talking about this for a very, very long time. We just never would have known it would have happened courtesy of a pandemic. Right. So you would have to say that this pandemic in terms of you professionally would have to be kind of the biggest event in your professional life. I would say that. Yeah, because I definitely I give annual forecast readings specifically for every new year, every year. I've been doing that for about seven or eight years now. Never seen a year like 2020. Never. And I was very upfront about that when I was talking to folks about this year, that 2020 was just going to be a game changing event. So contrasted to what you are sensing about 2021. So 2021 energetically isn't going to feel as dense or relentless as 2020. Thank God. Um, Yeah. That said, 2021, I've been describing this a year when we get our sea legs. Hmm. And so we're definitely still going to experience this subtle crumbling of ways of life. Like there's no going back to normal at this point. Mm-hmm. And so there's still going to be a lot of resistance to that. There's still going to be a lot of fear around what is happening next. That said, there's also going to be a lot of innovation, a lot of activities that center what the future looks like, how we are stepping now into a new normal and what how that we reinvent like. ourselves in we a way. Reinventing ourselves. We're reimagining ourselves. We're reimagining our society and all aspects of society. This is kind of akin to like the period of enlightenment, the Renaissance period, where things are being reborn and rebirthed. That's what's happening in 2021. And not just in 2021, but ongoing. Mm. Um, And so it's a mix of both. But again, from an energetic lens, 2021 is not going to feel as awful as 2020 felt. Right. So you're hopeful. Um, I'm hopeful. And also just the stars are just telling that story. Mm -hmm. Tracy, is there anything you want to do that you haven't done? Gosh, well, you know, it's, it's funny because I feel like, and I've, I've had this conversation with close friends of mine, only now am I starting to live my life with greater intention. Um, I feel like, you know, before, and I think this is the case for most people, I was living very unintentionally. And that's not to say that I was making these really bad decisions and having bad experiences. You were just coasting? I was just kind of like going with it, you mm-hmm. know? With the astrology journey and building this practice, I was just going with it because it felt right and I enjoyed it. So why not? Right. And that has literally, I think, been my life to date of these random experiences and opportunities that come up for me that I enjoy, that I take advantage of, and they bring me to the next leg of my journey. Yes, but that you're open to, and that's huge. Right. It's hard for me to answer that question of like, what do I hope? I Actually, it's not. What I hope to do next is start a family and get married. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I hope to do next. <laughs> and that's in your chart? Who would, yeah. you, who would you be paired up with sign-wise? Sign-wise? Well, so what are you? Have, well, what are you? I'm, I'm a Leo. Okay. 
That's August. Is that August? It's July into August. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And keep in mind, you know, again, I can talk about what signs I'd be compatible with, but we're more than just our sun sign. So of it course. goes deeper than that. Um, from experience, I can say that I've always paired well with Virgos. I, I enjoy Virgos. I have a natural odd affinity with Scorpios. And I actually attribute that to my mom as well as Cancers and Pisces. So those are signs that I've always just really gotten along well with and thoroughly enjoyed, you know, being in relationship with. If you were to look at my chart, the signs that I would um, go well with would be Pisces and Aries. And so, you know, maybe I've got a Pisces or an Aries showing up. Who knows? <laughs> when you meet someone, is that one of the first questions you ask? When were you born? You know, it's it's funny because no, it's not. <laughs> it's not because um, some folks are skeptical, as we've discussed. Right, right, um, right. And you know, it could be off-putting to some. Yeah, it know. can be off-putting, and I'm I'm certainly not like hiding what I do. Of I'm, course, I'm a friend about it, but no, I'm not looking at someone's chart when I date them. But with that said, you know, it does remind me of experiences where I've been on a date and my date is open to astrology and he might say, I'm a Pisces. And so I'll start calculating in my mind, like, okay, he's a Pisces. So he's probably born around this time. He said he was from here. So I'll try to like put the pieces together on my own. And you know what? I mean, it's what I do for a living. So of course, of course, I'm going to do that. Well, it becomes a natural act. You can't not do it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh But it's not something thing I lead with. Um, and I'm, I definitely don't want to look at a chart right away because sure. then, I, then I know things right away that might turn me off and I might become, you know, judging. So I get so, yeah. it. I get it. <laughs> hey, Tracy, this was nothing short of fascinating and absolutely delightful. It was so great to meet you. And I talk about instinct. I'm so glad I go with my instinct because 99.9% of the time, I'm right, yeah. you know, about mm-hmm. making the connections. And I've done this with so, the women have been just so fabulous. It was so easy to talk to you. And there was a lot I learned. Honestly, I there was so much I didn't know. Good. Well, thank you for having me again. I was so open to this opportunity when you first reached out and I'm glad that it could be added to your roster. Uh, and I hope that we stay connected. Absolutely. And please keep us in your loop. Whatever you'd like to share, we'd like to receive it. Thank you for that. Thank you. Great. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.